afternoon. Good afternoon. I almost said good morning. Good afternoon, everyone. Thank you for joining us today. Um, we are celebrating our first One Book, One College event today with this workshop, so we're really excited. Um, for those of you who do know, for those of you who don't, our One Book, One College theme book this year is, you see there's flyers kind of in little podiums all over. I put one up here. It's We Believe You by Andrea Pino and blanking Annie Clark. <laughs> um, so this year's One Book, One College theme is surrounding um, college and campus sexual assault. So today's presentation, Are You a Sexpert? Sexual Health for the College Student, is uh, one of the related themes that hopefully you'll get a lot, a lot out of. If I'm going to introduce our wonderful presenter <laughs> here, this is Patty Murphy. She joins us from Pillars Community Health. Um, she is the Director of Advocacy and Prevention Education. She has been with Pillars for 22 years and counting, right? Yep. Um, she has her master's degree in criminal social justice from Lewis University. She is a certified alcohol and drug counselor for the state of Illinois and also works in private practice serving individuals with substance use disorders on the southwest side of Chicago. Patty is a member of the Illinois Coalition Against Sexual Assault Governing Body and Program Committee a member of the Cook County State's Attorney's Sexual Assault Advisory Group, a Legal Assistance Foundation's CLASP project partner, serves on the Chicago Coalition for the Homeless Park Committee, and the Proviso Children's Advocacy Center's multidisciplinary team. So Patty, you are a very busy woman, <laughs> and we are very thankful that you're here today and sharing your knowledge with us. Uh, Additionally, Patty and her team at Pillars have a strong partnership with our counseling department here on campus, um, they've been an integral and very in important partner and bringing programming with, for years. Um, always serving our students, and they're here for you today. So without further ado, I'd like to welcome and thank Patty. Oh, thank you. Thanks. All right, can everyone hear me okay? I kind of put this thing on right here. Better? Okay, let me know if uh, you can't hear me well. In the back, you're all good? Okay. All right, I guess I talk loud. All right, um, so I am Patty Murphy. I'm Director of Advocacy at, at Pillars Community Health. Um, Pillars is a multi-service agency. Um, we're kind of a one-stop shop now um, for western suburbs, southern suburbs, and the city of Chicago. And so, just a brief overview, we offer mental health services, individual family couples counseling. We have psychiatry on staff. Uh, one program that is amazing, um, and I look at awe at all of our counselors and therapists, is um, we offer crisis support uh, for families and individuals who identify suicidality or any homicidal um, ideation. And these therapists will come on site, wherever anyone is, and assess them and, if need be, facilitate hospitalization. Um, it's amazing. These, the, these therapists are on call 24 hours a day. Um, we also have an intensive outpatient addictions program. We have a Head Start and a daycare program. Uh, we have services for um, our homeless um, uh, individuals in our community. We have a transitional housing program. We have an uh, in-house domestic violence shelter. And then my baby is the sexual assault program. And so what we offer um, your campus, as well as six other campuses um, in our area, uh, we service St. Xavier University, Concordia, Dominican, Trinity Christian College, Morton College in Cicero, and then we just took on uh, Lincoln College of Technology. And so what we offer to all of your students, faculties, and significant others is on-site, 
crisis intervention and advocacy. So if you disclose, or anyone here on campus discloses a sexual assault, uh, even past sexual trauma that they're, they're um, disclosing to a counselor, uh, they, uh, your staff here or you all will call our 24-hour sexual assault hotline, and one of my advocates will be on site within an hour. Okay, and so what we do there is that we, we inform survivors of their rights, whether it's a recent assault or past trauma of options, of resources, and then assist our survivors through um, any process that they w wish to choose. So um, what that looks like, our 24-hour sexual assault hotline is a conduit for all services um, for survivors and significant others. So we offer what's called medical advocacy, so I have contracts with seven area hospitals. And so what happens there is if a victim presents to get treated for injuries or have evidence collected, they phone our hotline and an advocate will be on site in the emergency room within an hour, okay? Um, also, we have court advocates that will assist survivors and their families through the court system. Um, also assistance with filing police reports, interviews with any state's attorneys and such. And so the court process in Cook County is fairly lengthy. Um, and so an average case is about two years. And so what my advocates do, um, not mine personally, but what our advocates do um, is they will go for survivors on behalf of survivors and their families and keep survivors abreast of what's going on with their active court case. And so um, victims do not have to take school off, work, um, keep uh, seeing their offender every month, okay? Then we also help with having them draft uh, victim impact statements as well as working through um, the trial process. Uh, we have individual therapy free of charge. Now all of our services uh, uh, for our sexual assault are free and domestic violence. Um, and our individual therapy, we start at age three, unfortunately, um, and work through the lifespan. And so um, again, you can call our 24-hour hotline and have an intake done um, to be seen in our counseling uh, program, okay? Another thing we do is um, prevention education. This is kind of falls under that realm. And so I have an amazing educator who goes and starts talking to school-age children um, in Head Start and daycare. Um, I mean, it gives me chills because I just pulled our numbers, you know, as a manager, I have to do that. And her alone, okay, her name's Sophia. So if you ever come into contact with her, say, say thank you. Um, her alone since September, this school year, she herself has done 358 presentations, individual presentations with kids age three to fifth grade. Um, she has reached 10,740 students. And so what a blessing, right? Um, and so what she does is she talks to little children um, about body rights safety, assertiveness skills, support systems, lures that predators use to gain their trust. Um, and then uh, myself and our other educator, this is Lauren Wave, Lauren's our, our other educator. Uh, I focus on the older kids <laughs> and adults. And so I talk to junior high, high school, college age um, uh, students on issues such as sexual har harassment, sexual health, sexual assault, bystander intervention, fill in the, fill in the blank. Um, if you want me to talk about it, I will. <laughs> um, and so besides that, we do a lot of awareness um, and activism events. You'll have some here on campus during April, which is Sexual Assault Awareness Month. Um, and so my presentation, okay, I love it. Okay, I worked on it for the past couple days. I've been doing this for years. Um, however, it was getting a little dated. So um, I wanted to update it for you. So um, I'm really excited to kind of share the new material with you. Uh, stop me anytime. Uh, if you have questions, if you have comments, 
Um, a couple of my clips, I want to warn you, I found some clips that I really, really, really enjoy. Um, and I like to laugh, and some of them are funny, some of them are more serious. Um, a couple of them do have some swear words in there, so I'm just sending it out. I know you're all 18 and older, I'm assuming. Um, and so, uh, just a heads up. I don't mean to offend anyone, but um, I really thought they were great. So, um, you okay with that? Okay. Um, another thing I just want to pitch really quickly is um, we're part of the Illinois Coalition Against Sexual Assault, and that's what provides our funding for services for survivors and your communities in Illinois. And a part of our state mandate to receive funding is that we have, uh, we use a grassroots philosophy, and that means women and men helping others. And so we have a viable um, volunteer pool of uh, advocates that we train, like, yourself, like students like yourselves and other well-meaning, caring community members, that we will train through a 40-hour sexual assault crisis intervention training. Uh, we will pri provide that training to you free of charge. And what we ask is that um, uh, uh, individuals volunteer two times a month, um, answering our crisis line, not your, well, you're not actually like manning a womaning or manning a phone. You're actually at home, um, and if a crisis call comes in, you're agreeing to respond to that, whether in the emergency room or via information referral and such. So, um, you know, besides um, the decision to have my beautiful babies, okay, um, my second best decision I've ever made was choosing advocacy um, in the anti-rape movement as my career. And so if you're interested in social justice and working with survivors, empowerment, uh, stop me after the presentation. Um, I will let you know when the new training is. Uh, I'll answer any questions. Um, but if you're engaged, come up and talk to me, okay? All right, so we're going to start the presentation, and let's go. Okay, so uh, what is sexual health? So the World Health Organization defines sexual health as a state of physical, emotional, mental, and social well-being in relation to sexuality. So sexual health requires positive and respectful approach to sex, which brings with it the possibility of pleasure and safe sexual experiences. But how is that attained? Okay, so it's your attitude towards sex and sexuality that um, will ensure that sexual rights of all persons uh, must be respected and protected and fulfilled at all times, okay? So that is the World Health Organization's uh, definition of that, okay? Oh my gosh, don't you love my guys? Aren't they awesome? Okay, so um, love and relationships don't just happen. So what, do the, what does this mean to you? What does sex, sexuality, intimacy, it's all different for each of us. Uh, no judgments here, right? Okay, so even during the, after the presentation, if you have questions, no judging, okay? Um, if you have a question, a sexual health question, or you want resources, honestly, you know, if you um, are interested to get more information, please, uh, or have concerns, talk to me afterwards. Um, okay, so this is my first YouTube clip, um, and let's see if I can do this well. All right, let's see. And, and here. Whoop, I have to pick the right one. There we go. All right. Look, no one ever said being a teenager is easy. We didn't do a good job, Oh, no. Whoops. Okay. Sorry, everyone. 
Sorry about that. That's okay. You have to face a lot of important decisions. But no decision is probably more important than the one you'll make about becoming sexually active. And if you do, there's a few things you should definitely know. This is a penis. This is a vagina. This is a mouth. This is a hand. And this is a butt. You can mix as many of these as you feel comfortable with. Hand and mouth would be weird, but you could. This is the clitoris. And these are the testicles. They make sperm. That's pretty much it. If you want to be abstinent, that's fine. If you don't want to be abstinent, that's also fine. Abstinence is like being a vegetarian. People should respect your choice. Some people might make fun of you. Those people are assholes. The best safeguard against STDs is protection. Unless you already have an STD, in which case you're gonna need medicine or some shit. I don't know. <laughs> Fun fact. The ancient Egyptians put crocodile dung mixed with honey inside a vagina to prevent pregnancy. They're all dead now. Here's how you put a condom on a banana. Oh, this is a lot less curvy than I'm used to. This is an IUD. An IUD goes inside a woman's body and prevents pregnancy from taking place. They can stay inside you for up to 10 years. Which is a lot, considering most guys in high school can only stay inside you for a minute or two tops. <laughs> All right. Here's a bunch of other forms of birth control. Google them! This is actually simple. If someone doesn't want to have sex with you, don't have sex with them. If you think you might be able to persuade someone to have sex, even though they don't want to, don't. So if you're not sure if someone wants to have sex with you, ask. Even if you're kind of sure, still ask. If someone is pretty drunk, they might not be able to give consent. And remember, you can always say no. Even halfway through, you can say no. If someone wants you to do a sex thing you're not comfortable with, you have the right to refuse. Say, I don't care if it's your birthday, Rebecca, I don't want you to put your finger in my butt. Okay? Somebody just talking about this. Real quick, a couple final things. Most people will get HPV is both technically true and what you tend to hear right before someone gives you HPV. If you call it a hoo-ha, you are not ready for sex. Dude is your friend, believe me. If you get a chance to have sex with this man, go for it. The best safe word is hoot nanny. A woman who's had sex is not like a dirty shoe. A woman who's had sex is like a, a shoe with laces. Completely fucking normal. And finally, and this is important, if anyone ever tells you that getting your period makes you better at bowling, you're a fucking idiot. Uh-oh. Okay, can I? Oh, just close it. Just close it. Okay, okay, I get nervous. I get nervous I'm gonna lose like where I was at. All right, thank you. Okay. All right, isn't that funny? Okay, that was worth it, right? Okay. All right, so, okay, so when we are choosing to become sexually active, and uh, we want to talk with a new partner about this, and so what, is, what are some questions that we want to ask right off? So, um, well, this is a good one. Are we monogamous? Okay, are we dating? Is it just me and you, right? Um, are you, this is important, are you, still, are you sleeping with other people? Okay, are you having sex with other people? Okay, and so you need to have that conversation. And um, so 
the benefit of being in a, a monogamous relationship is those in, in those types of relationships are less, less likely to contact an STI because if you have multiple multiple partners, you have you're, um, have higher risk, right? Um, and no, you all are probably too young to remember this. Do you remember the Clearall commercial? Anyone older would probably remember this. It's kind of like a pyramid, like, and, and she told two friends, and she told two friends, and she two told two friends. And so that you want to think of how many sexual partners as that kind of pyramid, right? You're at the top, you got one, then you got two, then you got eight, then you got 10, then you got 12. So in your mind, if, someone, if you're not in a monogamous relation, relationship, then you're assuming you're pretty much sleeping Right with everyone else, if, if someone's not taking care of their sexual health, you're really sleeping with all the people that they've slept with. If you really kind of think about that, if people aren't getting tested, then anything that they've acquired from multiple partners, you're at risk of contracting. Okay, um, what's your sexual history? Now this is uncomfortable, so we're gonna we're gonna I'm not gonna spend too much time on it now, but we're gonna talk about this a little more later. You deserve to know. Okay, so ask someone what is your history of STIs. Um, you might, oh, I'm sorry, STIs stand for sexually transmitted infection. Um, I used to say STD, sexually transmitted disease. I'm choosing infection now because many of these, um, many of the STIs are curable. And so it's not a lifelong disease. When I look at a disease, I look at, when you um, can say I'm di you're diagnosed with a disease, there's symptoms, right? It's many times chronic, it's lifelong, things like that. So uh, let's, we're gonna switch our framework to infection. Um, and then think of any other questions that are important to you in regards to your, uh, your partner's sexual history um, and have those prepared and kind of ready in your head to kind of ask. Um, another question, are you willing to get tested? for STIs. Any hesitation or refusal is a big red flag. Okay, anyone who cares about you, anyone who cares about you, I'm gonna say this again, anyone who cares about you will be willing to get tested. If there's hesitation, if there's refusal, that is not someone you wanna be with. Y'all agree? Nod with me. Yes, right? We're, because only you can take care of your sexual health. You cannot rely on anyone else. Okay? I want you to think of your sexual health as you going for your wellness prevention exam every year. That's what I want, to th I want you to think about it. Your sexual health is just as important as when you have flu-like symptoms and you need to go to the doctor or, or you're going routine, routinely to get your flu shot. Okay? You need to think of it that way. Um, how do you feel about sex? Okay, the answer to this question will give you an idea of if you're both on the same page. What are you both looking for? Okay, um, and then the next one, um, which is also important, how do you feel about contraceptives? So if a partner pushes you to use one form or another, or doesn't want you to use contraception at all, that's another big flag, okay? Okay, so you know, I kind of looked at a lot of new research on your campus culture. And so some of these things might, you might not directly be experiencing now, but some might. But when you go off to university, right, you might, you're going to be away from home. You might um, experience some of this more um, kind of what they're calling uh, hookup culture, okay? And so um, the hookup campus culture is kind of hooking up and looking at it through the lens of friends with benefits. Um, and so some people in college may forego having a, a you know, monogamous relationship or relationship altogether and are kind of looking for kind of friends with benefits or maybe the occasional hookup. And so uh, you all face some new problems with that. So some of those might be uh, 
it's confusing emotionally. Um, you might have concerns about your reputation. Um, hookups might be fueled by alcohol and other drugs, which could lead to other problems like the uh-oh the next morning. What did I do? Um, maybe I'm embarrassed by something I did while I was under the influence. Um, my biggie, okay, is that um, I, you know when you're under the influence, one, you're less likely to put a condom on, to forget about the condom, to not care about putting a condom on. That's huge, okay? Another one is if you're under the influence, you're not um, in the, you don't have the judgment, you don't maybe have the eyesight, you don't have um, the coordination, all those things um, to notice symptoms, okay? Now, if someone has the herpes virus and they have little bumps or they have, or there's some discharge or something and you're under the influence, you might not be able to recognize that those are present, right? You might not know. And so, um, let's see. Um, what's a big way to protect yourself if you choose to do the hookup? Okay. One, always use protection. Okay. Ladies, you keep it too. Guys, you keep it too. Right? Both. Right? Um, be cautious about anonymous encounters. Um, the hookup might seem kind of sexy and kind of, you know, um, steamy on TV. Right? But it's not always the case in real life. Uh, always let your friends know where you are. Um, also, when you're going to be home is a good one too. Uh, trust yourself, okay? Trusting your instincts. If this hookup does not feel okay to you, um, then it's not, okay? Trust those instincts, trust how you're feeling. If it doesn't feel right, don't go with it. Um, and get out of there, okay? Uh, make an excuse, go to the bathroom, call a friend, do, do whatever you need. If you don't feel safe, you don't feel comfortable, get out. Um, when you're choosing you know, the hookup, don't have expectations. Okay, um, when it comes to kind of friends with benefits um, type relationships, uh, one person might be ex expecting more or wanting more in this um, relationship. And so someone ends up maybe feeling hurt um, because the other person doesn't feel the same way. Um, another last thing, remember you don't owe anyone anything. Okay, it's your body. You choose what you do with it. Um, I'm going to touch a little bit on consent. Okay, that's my thing, right? Consent, equal, equally given consent. Um, enthusiastic consent, <laughs> right? And so um, some things that might happen while you're on a college campus or in the campus culture is staying over at other people's dorms, other, in other people's rooms, in other people's apartments or houses, um, sharing a bed. You might be like, hey, you know, you can stay overnight tonight, blah, blah, blah. Um, crashing with a friend in the same bed is not an invitation for physical activity. Another one, um, unreciprocated physicality. So this is, you know, you might be flirting with someone. Um, it could quickly lead to something physical. So if someone's not responding, cues, right? People give us cues. So if someone's not responding in return to your advances or your physical touch, okay, <laughs> stop. Um, silence does not mean yes. You need a yes. Right? You need a yes, I want to do this. Yes, I want to go, I want you to touch here, touch there, not there, da-da. Right? Um, maybe, you know, if someone's a, if someone wants to do something, you're like, maybe. Well, maybe it's not a yes. Okay? The other one is, you know, I don't know. I don't know. You know, I, if someone's, you know, wishy-washy and kind of on the fence about someone, that is not enthusiastically consenting to something. Okay, consent, continue. Um, Straying from a group, if you're at a party, 
Okay, parties can kind of be a, you know, a spawning ground for kind of peer pressure situations, especially when drinking. Um, stay with your friends, stay with your crowd. Um, even though a private situation might be tempting, right? If you can get someone alone, it might be tempting. Their defenses might be down, and you, you might look at that situation as, as a, a way to um, build more intimacy or with someone. But when you're at a party, you're under the influence, you're drinking, kind of stay with the crowd. It's the safest route to go. Um, understanding your limits, okay? Um, abusing substances to the point where you can't remember what happened, okay? Um, uh, does not condone damaging activity. So if someone is perpetrating and not, and not um, uh, doesn't feel like they have consent, but they still keep going, they can't use alcohol or using other drugs as an excuse for the bad behavior. Um, convincing behavior, okay? If you have to convince your partner to do something, check yourself, okay? Um, sex acts, again, need to be given freely without coercion, without pressure, okay? Um, and then the last one is misreading signals. So the way someone looks, and we know this, this has been drilled in you since hopefully junior high, right? The way someone dresses, the way someone's presenting themselves is not an invitation, right? Okay, all right, here's the next one. Uh-oh, sorry, I need to keep getting you. If you're still oh, oh, struggling oh, 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 oh. with consent, just imagine instead of initiating... Sorry. Okay. Okay, I'm going to steer clear of that one when these <laughs> pop up. <laughs> and you're making twice <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you, because I'm bad at this. If you're still struggling with consent, just imagine instead of initiating sex, you're making them a cup of tea. You say, hey, would you like a cup of tea? And they go, oh my God, I would love a cup of tea, thank you. Then you know they want a cup of tea. If you say, hey, would you like a cup of tea? And they're like, uh, you know, I'm not really sure. Then you can make them a cup of tea, or not, but be aware that they might not drink it. And if they don't drink it, then, and this is the important bit, don't make them drink it. Just because you made it doesn't mean you're entitled to watch them drink it. And if they say, no thank you, then don't make them tea at all. Just don't make them tea. Don't make them drink tea. Don't get annoyed at them for not wanting tea. They just don't want tea, okay? They might say, yes please, that's kind of you. And then when the tea arrives, they actually don't want the tea at all. Sure, that's kind of annoying as you've gone to all the effort of making the tea, but they remain under no obligation to drink the tea. They did want tea. Now they don't. Some people change their mind in the time it takes to boil the kettle, brew the tea and add the milk. And it's okay for people to change their mind. And you are still not entitled to watch them drink it. And if they are unconscious, don't make them tea. Unconscious people don't want tea and they can't answer the question, do you want tea? Because they're unconscious. Okay, maybe they were conscious when you asked them if they wanted tea and they said yes. But in the time it took you to boil the kettle or brew the tea and add the milk, they are now unconscious. You should just put the tea down, make sure the unconscious person is safe, and this is the important part again, don't make them drink the tea. They said yes then, sure, but unconscious people don't want tea. If someone said yes to tea, started drinking it, and then passed out before they'd finished it, don't keep on pouring it down their throat. Take the tea away, make sure they are safe, because unconscious people don't want tea. 
Trust me on this. If someone said yes to tea around your house last Saturday, that doesn't mean they want you to make them tea all the time. They don't want you to come around to their place unexpectedly and make them tea and force them to drink it, going, but you wanted tea last week, or to wake up to find you pouring tea down their throat, going, but you wanted tea last night. If you can understand how completely ludicrous it is to force people to have tea when they don't want tea, and you are able to understand when people don't want tea, then how hard is it to understand when it comes to sex? Whether it's tea or sex, consent is everything. And on that note, I'm going to make myself a cup of tea. I just love the guy's voice, don't you? It's like you want him to like read you a bedtime story or something. It's like so soothing. Okay. All right. Here we go. We here. We're getting to the good stuff. Okay. So um, uh, the current. Uh, Center for Disease Control stats of 2016. So this is the most current current information uh, available. Okay. So chlamydia. Uh, there is 1,598,354,000 uh, reported cases of uh, in the United States. So this is actually up 4.7 percent from 2015. Um, we're Illinois is ranked number 11 in the nation for infections. Gonorrhea, um, a little less, for uh, 468,514. Um, now, this is 18.5% increase from 2015. So do you see the rates of um, infection is rising each year? Um, Illinois ranks number 15 in infections. Um, syphilis, uh, 27,814 cases. Now, this is up 17.6% uh, from 2014, or 15, I'm sorry. Um, now, the big one. HPV, which was the most common uh, STI out there, uh, 79 million Americans are infected. Okay, we're going to we're going to spend a little more time on that um, in the next slides. Genital herpes. One in six American people aged 14 to 49 have the virus. Um, now, when we think of people who get STDs or STIs. We have a lot of stereotypes in our heads, don't we? We do, right? Right, they must sleep, you know, they must have a lot of sex partners, right, right? Um, they must be dirty, they must, there's something, you know, do we have these myths, you know, only, right? I, we have all these things in our head. And so, let's look at that. The millions and millions and millions and millions of people in relationships, not in relationships, um, unfortunately have acquired these infections unknowingly, right? Really unknowingly. And so we have in place all these judgments and shame-based statements on people who have an illness, just like if I have the influenza virus. Right, do you know what I mean? How we think of these illnesses, we need to think about all the illnesses that we unfortunately suffer from, okay? And so if we look at all these people that have these infections and we place all this blame, right, and shame on them. Um, and so when we keep going through all the signs and symptoms, so the reason for this is prevention. The reason for this presentation too is resources. Because if we're looking at the amounts and amounts of people that unfortunately have to endure some of these infections and symptoms, then 
we need support. People need to be able to feel free to be able to talk to someone, whether it's a, a significant other or another professional or a teacher or another student, about what they're experiencing, right? We need support when we're going through um, really, really uncomfortable and scary, right, health issue. Okay, um, and then the last is HIV. So um, in 2015, there were 1.1 million people uh, living in the U.S. with HIV. Okay, so um, how do we get STDs, STIs? Okay, sorry, I'm kind of going back and forth with that, but um, the primary way people get STIs is uh, when they have oral, anal, vaginal sex, and the other person's semen or vaginal fluid or blood um, come into contact with their mucous membranes. Now, half of your STIs um, uh, well, not half, more than half. The condom is your friend, everyone. It's about fluid exchange, okay, vaginal secretion and semen. The other viruses, okay, the viruses HPV and the herpes virus, just contact. So the, the, you know, the condom will help, okay, the condom will help. Don't get me wrong, I'm saying I've got to love the condom. It's the best invention ever. But we can't just rely on the condom alone. Okay, because some is just contact, skin-to-skin -skin contact, you'll be exposed to the viruses. Okay? And so um, what parts of the body do you have mucous membranes? Now, this includes the anus, the vagina, urethra, mouth, throat, eyes, nose, and inner ears. Now, for years, now I'm, I've been doing this a long time, never heard of anyone getting an STD in the inner ear. Until recently. Can you believe it? I know, I was shocked too. I was like, in her ear, who's gonna get an STI in her ear, right? Okay, the fluids, everyone, okay? So, you have fluids, you do some sort of sex act, oral, um, vaginal, you have fluids on your hand, let's say. You rub your eye. The eye is direct conduit into your bloodstream. Gonorrhea of the eye, chlamydia of the eye, you, some, this poor person must have itched their inner, itched their ear. The poor person had an itch in their ear. And guess what they got? Syphilis. Syphilis. Can you believe it? And so for years, I was like, no one's getting an STI in their ear. You know me. But, okay, it's all about fluids. Okay? So, you have fluid, you rub your eye, you know, you scratch, you know, whatever. Um, anywhere if you expose it to a mucous membrane, is the possibility of infection, okay? Um, okay, you cannot get STIs from someone's sweat, tears, urine, and saliva. I don't know who did it, but someone did it. They <laughs> did a study um, on saliva and the risk of HIV infection. I don't know who did the study, but anyway. They said you'd have to drink buckets and buckets of someone's saliva to acquire the HIV virus, okay? Um, can't get STIs from toilet seats, things like that. Um, those are big myths. Okay. Oh, look at, oh, look at the guy. All right, the little, the little guy. Okay. So STIs can threaten your health and, and kill your sex life. Um, but, okay, so STDs or STIs range from being a nuisance, like things like pubic lice, yuck. Okay. That's it. You know, we'll go through that. Those pictures are fun. Okay. Um, which is a nuisance, but curable, right? We can take care of this if we get it. Um, or it can lead to chronic pain, infertility, um, miscarriage, premature births, birth defects, and possibly death. Um, 
So many people, and this is why they're spread so rapidly, is that so many people have an STI and have no symptoms. Okay. All right. You ready, all yeah? Okie dokie. There we go. Okay, I'm not staying on the slide too, too long because I don't want to, you know. Okay, so what do we got? What do we got going on here? Okay, so that's a penis with genital warts. Now, genital warts present um, as a cluster of kind of cauliflowery looking, um, I don't know, uh, things, <laughs> lumps, I guess, right? Um, so that this here is uh, genital warts from HPV on a labia, right, in the genital area. This here is the labia. This is discharge from either chlamydia or gonorrhea uh, that a woman is experiencing. Now these, this is a penis obviously with, with um, herpes sores on them. Um, now remember I just said if you're under the influence it might be dark, you're not, you know, you don't have all your faculties. You may miss this. You know, I mean, if you don't, if you don't got your stuff going on, right? You're not, you know, you're. You might miss this. You might miss this. Do you know what I mean? You know what I'm talking about? You might not, you know, be all together where you're like, okay, you know, I'm seeing this or I'm seeing. You might not. Okay. Um, this is. I don't know why she put this on here, but these are warts on a hand. <laughs> I don't know. But um, so, okay, don't look at that one. I forgot to take it off. Okay. Okay, you see the sad penis, everyone. Right? You see the penis that looks like it's going to fall off, right? Um, this poor person, okay? And for years, I had no idea what happened to the penis. Um, this is, this is uh, it's not actually an STI, but it is common for men and women to get. Uh, this poor man, or boy, man, I don't know, um, had a urinary tract infection. Okay, so he had an infection in his urethra, okay? And so sometimes that occurs for females and males um, from sexual activity where you might get a bladder infection, ladies, um, or a male could also get a bladder infection or a urinary tract infection. And so um, what he did, so with those illnesses, you need antibiotics. It will not go away on its own. None of these will go away on, on their own, okay? Except HPV in a few years, but... Um, they will not go, you need to go to the doctor, okay? And so this poor person, look at how they suffered, okay? And really, if you look, if that person did not get treatment, get the antibiotics to cure their infection, there is no blood flow to that penis. What could have happened to the poor penis? There'd be no more penis, okay? And so the you know many of these infections you need to get antibiotics to be able to get it cured you can't just wish it away you can't drink cranberry juice you can't do any of those things you need to get treated okay i didn't stay on it too long okay all right so gonorrhea and chlamydia caused uh, by a kind of bacteria which can affect the penis vagina cervix uh, anus urethra and throat uh, gonorrhea is sometimes called the clip uh, the clapper drip um, that's because men typically will drip yellow-green pus from their penis um, when they have symptoms of gonorrhea. Um, but many times, uh, there's no symptoms for people, or very mild. Now, ladies, what happens um, sometimes is we mistake a yeast infection, 
okay, that, um, that vaginal imbalance, okay, where it's, yeast infections are uncomfortable, you get the burning, itching, sometimes discharge, um, and we think that we have a yeast infection. So we go to the drugstore, we get the monostat, we go and self-treat, we mask our symptoms, um, and in actuality, we have chlamydia or gonorrhea. Okay, Do you, because the symptoms of chlamydia and gonorrhea, irritation, discharge, um, itching, burning, those things are similar to an uh, imbalance of um, the flora of your vagina, okay? And unfortunately, a lot of times when we get yeast infections, ladies, it's our fault. It's based on our, the lifestyle choices that we're making. For example, um, uh, your vagina self-cleans. Okay, it maintains its own pH balance. So when we add chemicals, for example, if we really like, you know, all the perfumey body washes, we're adding chemicals to that area that are, aren't good for our vagina. Maybe um, we're uh, wearing pants or jeans that are too tight, and then there's a, a buildup of bad bacteria and moisture. Um, taking a lot of bubble baths, not good for the vagina. Not good. Okay, you're soaking in chemicals, right, and, and perfumey stuff that can ca cause an upset. Um, another one, douching. Now, this is douching. Mm. Um, you go down the Walgreens aisle and you see, you know, like, okay, vagina, 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 right? You, everything to make sure your vagina smells like a rainforest. No, <laughs> right? Okay, so douching um, is really bad for the vagina, okay? Your vagina self-cleans. You do not have to do anything except use sensitive soap, okay? Uh, proper hygiene, sensitive soap. Um, douching, what it does is it actually puts in all these chemicals and really cleans out all that good bacteria that keeps you healthy, okay? Um, so no more douching. No more douching, okay? Um, let's see. What else do we want to do? Okay. Um, so symptoms for women. Uh, abdominal pain, sometimes bleeding between periods. Uh, menstrual irregularities, painful urination, men and ladies. Um, it should never hurt to pee. Never, ever, 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 ever hurt to pee. If it does, you have an infection. Or it's something you're doing with your lifestyle choices. Okay, again, with the whole, maybe your Bath and Body Works, uh, perfumey body washes, irritating, um, you know, either your penis or your vagina. Okay, so it's lifestyle things. But besides that, it should never hurt to pee. If it does, we need to go to the doctor, okay? No, no ifs, ands, or buts, right? Um, okay, and the yellow greenish discharge. Um, and then for men, uh, again, it may hurt to urinate. Um, you might have to, you feel like you have to urinate more frequently. You got a yellow green pus um, coming from your penis. Um, so those are the symptoms. But again, the reason these are passed on so much and so frequently is because people have very minimal symptoms. So they might not be, you might not be experiencing all this uncomfortable stuff. You might just have maybe one day of, ooh, you know, something feels weird, but then the next day you feel fine, right? And so, uh, you, never, you know, you might not have these symptoms. Okay, um, the big one. Remember I just told you about women who might think that they have a vaginal yeast infection and then self-treat? Okay, and never go to the doctor. Um, what can happen though if you never treat these infections is that it can lead to pelvic inflammatory disease. And so young women who may have acquired an STD in late teens, early adulthood, um, and just self-treated, 
um, may suffer infertility later in life. So people don't uh, realize the correlation between inability to get pregnant or damage to your fallopian tubes or uterus or surrounding tissue as a result of not being treated for an earlier STI. Okay. Um, uh, gonorrhea and chlamydia can enhance, um, if you're left untreated, can enhance your um, uh, having a miscarriage or premature birth. And then mothers can pass infections to their um, uh, baby during childbirth. So you do, if you have an STI, you do need to inform your ob that you do have this illness so you don't pass it along to your baby. Okay. Um, easily treated, that's why I said, hey, if there's a choice to get an STI, you want these two. Really, these are your go-to. <laughs> because easily treated with an antibiotic. You go to the doctor, you do your full round of antibiotics. Um, a big thing you don't want to do though, okay, um, you get treated, okay, you're on the antibiotics, but you don't tell your partner that you have the STA. Guess what? What's gonna happen? You get treated, they don't get treated, you have sex again, you're gonna get it again. You're gonna get it again, okay? So you do need to be honest with your partner um, that you have this illness so they also can be treated. Or um, if you're in that, you know, friends but benefit type situation, also let them know, okay? Um, be honest. And you know, honestly, easily treated with antibiotics. So, you know, tell them, tell them, tell them, or her. Okay, uh, HPV. HPV is the most common sexually transmitted infection. Uh, most people don't know that they're infected. Um, and, and there's two, two different types. Now there's many strands, but we kind of characterize them as high risk, cancer causing strands, and the low risk, which are the, the cauliflower looking um, warts that you see. Um, but the high risk type strands will be the ones that are causing your abnormal test results. Okay, so what, when you go to have your regular pap smear, your annual um, gynecological exam, what they do is they scrape cells from your service to look for abnormal cells. Um, and so for some reason, and it took years for them to realize this, was that um, persons infected with the virus, that this virus for some reason attacks a woman's cervix. Um, for men, men are carriers of the virus, yet nothing happens. There's a small percentage, okay, very small from research, that men may acquire um, the high cancer, um, high risk cancer causing strands um, in the throat um, if you perform oral sex on, on a woman who has the um, high cancer causing HPV virus. Um, very small percentage of persons that, that that happens to because what happens luckily, yay, is that men carry the virus, yet um, your body recognizes that you have it and will eliminate it. Same thing for luckily for us females, um, is many times we will have the virus, it'll be in our system for a number of years, and then you go for your next test or whatever, and they, they say, no, you're all, you don't have the virus right now, okay? So does that make sense to everyone, the HPV virus? Okay, yes? Yep, yep, yep. And so the Gardasil, um, the Gardasil shot, okay. So um, 
that is for both boys and girls, men and women. And you can get the shot up until age 26. It's covered by insurance. You can go to Planned Parenthood and get these shots, all of those wonderful things. And so um, you can start at age 11. Um, it's a series of, not, for some, for if you're younger, you can have two shots or three. Um, I recommend all men and women, boys and girls, to get the shot. What it does is it immunes um, you and your future partners from the high cancer causing and the very uncomfortable um, uh, high strands of the war of the uh, war generating viruses. Okay. Um, you know what? I have no idea. I know insurance will only cover it to 26. Maybe it's because it's as long as you can stay on your parents' insurance. I don't. I don't know. No. You know, honestly, if I went to my doctor, yeah. No. Go ahead. Oh, okay. Um, if I really, okay, and, I, and I'm way older than you all, um, but I think, don't, I mean, I'm not positive, but I think if I actually went to my doctor and said I'd like the HPV shot, I don't know. So even if you're a grown woman, they won't, huh? Did you ask? I mean, it's, I mean, I mean, that might as a personal question, but I'm sorry. But um, I was curious. I'm like, I wonder if I could get it, you know, yeah. Get out. Why did they say that? Uh, they said because by the time you get to 26, um, if you haven't gotten the vaccination, it's so likely that you already have HPV. Uh huh. That doesn't really matter. Really? Yeah. Mm, okay. See, I learned something new every day. This is wonderful. Thank you, ladies. Yes. Okay, cool. Yes. The question was for two males. So you have a male who has the cancerous strand of HPV. Yep. Yes, definitely. This is, yeah, this is an equal opportunity. So you have two, two um, women who self-identify as lesbian and or bisexual. You have two males. Same thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, fluid's fluid. Yeah, I mean, contact's contact. Yep, yep. Okay, so syphilis, um, uh, if left untreated, is a bacterial organism. Uh, can remain in the body for life and lead to disfigurement, neurological disorders, or death. Um, all the mean little men in history had syphilis, <laughs> right? If you think Napoleon, Hitler, okay, um, uh, what, uh, Al Capone had it. Um, my guy, though, I just went to the art museum and I saw his work. Van Gogh, they say, um, they say now, don't quote me, I, could, I don't want to like, be slandering Van Gogh, but that's what they say is that, um, that he had the, had the virus and that's um, late stage, you go insane. Literally. Um, and so they think that's why he cut his ear off and sent it, you know. So that's what they say, but you know what they say, you know. Right. We don't know. Right. right. Okay, so it's the phases of syphilis, primary phase. Um, initially, three weeks to 90 days, you'll get what they call a canker. Um, they, you know, from the research, they say it's, un it's uncomfortable. Um, it's not, they say it's painless, but I don't know, all the pictures I see look painful. <laughs> um, it appears on your genitals, vagina, mouth, breast, anus, wherever you are exposed. Um, then there's a secondary phase, uh, can appear and come and go for a couple years, for about two years. And you're, um, you're experiencing kind of flu-like symptoms. Uh, same thing when you have chlamydia or, or gonorrhea, which are also bacterial infections. You might get flu-like symptoms, you know, the fever, yucky body aches. Um, same thing with syphilis, those, those symptoms appear too. Guess what? We live in Chicago and we're always sick, right? We're always feeling yucky, right? Because the weather changes and blah, blah, blah. So we just might think we just have a small bout of the flu, okay? Yet we might have, have um, an STI. And so some other things um, that occur 
weight loss, hair loss, hair loss, okay, that's, uh, that's a red flag. Another one is many people experience a rash, okay. Um, if you're not prone to, you know, skin sensitivity or things like that, a rash is a, your body's way of saying something's up. Let's go to the doctor, okay. Um, and then you have a phase, it's called the latent phase, where there's really no symptoms at all. Okay, your, your canker's gone away, there's no symptoms, until you hit late stage, and that's when sufferers um, sustain damage to the nervous system, heart, brain, and other organs, and that leads to death. Okay. Okay. Um, herpes viruses. Now this, I'm going to rock your world with this one, okay. Um, world Health Organization says two out of three adults under the age of 50 have the herpes simplex 1 virus, and that's the virus that causes cold sores um, and the fever blisters. Um, we all, almost all of us, whether you have symptoms or they're dormant or layman and you never really experienced anything, um, two out of three people will have this virus. Um, the virus is activated when the immune system is low. Okay, same thing with genital herpes. Um, when our immune systems are low, just like any other virus, whether it's influenza virus or a cold virus or whatever, when our immune system's low, our bodies aren't able to attack, to attack um, the viruses. And so, you know, you're stressed out. Um, maybe you're not taking care of your diet. You're not exercising, um, stress management. Um, you might be stressed out. You might be overworked. You might not sleeping well. And so when those things happen, um, the virus then says, ooh, party, 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 right? We're going to come out. Um, and present ourselves. And so um, that's 3.7 billion people who are infected with the virus. Again, I go back to all, all the shame-based statements about STIs. Look at all the people that are infected, right? Why are we so shaming when so many people are, are experiencing these illnesses, right? Um, herpes simplex 2, genital herpes, spread through skin-to-skin -skin contact. Um, the virus does not survive long outside of the body. That's a good thing. And then, again, activated when the immune system is low. Um, how, I'm going to go back to um, herpes simplex 1. How can we um, kind of reduce our risk? Okay. Um, if you know your partner um, is prone to um, an outbreak of the cold sore, um, you know, say, can you please tell me if you ever start feeling like you're getting symptoms or a tingling or you feel like a, an outbreak's coming? You know what I mean? Be really open and honest with me because you can get the virus before the, the you could see the herpes. Okay, it's activated before you're shedding the, the cells. Um, not sharing cups, utensils, straws, things like that. Um, really be aware, ladies, when you're you know testing out cosmetics and things. Um, you know, you might see them clean it all. You know, um, do what I do. Buy it. You don't like it, return it. Okay, um, I get really weary about you know you know testing things and doing things like that. Just buy it if you don't like it, bring it back. Okay. Um, now you, I might surprise you with the other strands of the herpes virus. So there's eight total. Um, herpes virus three is chickenpox, which almost all of us. I mean, you all probably got vaccinated. I didn't, so I had it. And anyone older, you know, um, uh, that's chickenpox virus. And shingles. So shingles occurs when dormant chickenpox uh, chicken virus becomes reactivated. And typically it's, it gets reactivated because someone's under extreme stress or their immune system's low and the virus reactivates itself. 
um, many times when someone is an adult. Um, and so the virus occurs along nerve fibers, uh, pathways causing multiple sores where nerve fibers end on skin cells. And so it typically is a cluster of, of um, the sores and it can cause itching, uh, tingling, and even very severe pain. And, and many people will um, usually heal between two to four weeks with this. Uh, herpes simplex 4 virus is Epstein-Barr virus, um, mono, right, the kissing disease, have you heard of that? Okay, very contagious. And so often transmitted through saliva, coughing, sneezing, kissing, or sharing utensils. Um, herpes simplex 5 virus is CMV. Um, that typically affects small children, but sometimes can affect persons with the HIV virus. Um, herpes 6 is roseola. Yep. And so have you ever seen children who have been diagnosed with the flushing in the, in the skin? Um, uh, rashes is that's a form of the herpes virus and then finally herpes um, 8 is called uh, uh, Kaposi's sarcoma and these are um, uh, tumorous um, uh, tumors I think I spelled that wrong sorry tumors found um, on people that um, uh, have the HIV or AIDS virus and so typically they're purplish in color um, and uh, very 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 uncomfortable for people all right, um, okay, so how can we prevent genital herpes? The, uh, of course, you know, we're always gonna promote um, abstinence, be, you know, not engaging any sex, sexual activity until you're ready, um, being faithful if you're in a monogamous relationship, using condoms. However, condoms only prevent genital herpes if the herpes on the penis, okay, or in the vagina, right? So if it's outside and it's skin to skin contact, you, you could be infected. Okay, usually the first outbreak occurs two to four weeks after exposure. Uh, another outbreak can, can occur weeks or months or later. Transmission can occur um, even when there's no visible sores. Uh, there's no cure for herpes, but there is su fantastic suppression medication out there. So if you do um, have the herpes virus, um, talk to your physician. Um, there's daily suppression medication that you can take that reduces uh, the number of outbreaks and the severity of your outbreaks, okay? Um, pubic lice. Okay, so pubic lice, they're parasitic insects usually spread through sexual contact. Um, just like head lice, except pubic lice likes warm, moist locations. <laughs> they gravitate there, so they go towards the genital area. Um, and so just like if someone had head lice, you need to do all the same um, steps. You need to go to the drugstore, you need to get the medicated lice shampoo and cream and all of that, and you need to put it on the pubic area um, do not, you know, don't think shaving your pubic hair is going to solve it because what happens is these little buggers lay eggs and even if you get the, you get the little buggies, um, they've laid eggs. And so you need the medication to put in the area, okay? Um, uh, you go through, you comb through the pubic hair, you get the little buggers out, you put them in a bag and you suffocate them. And then what you do is you wash all of your clothes, all of your bedding, everything in hot, hot, hot water, and you buy the stuff from the drugstore, then you fumigate your whole house. Okay, you fumigate your bed, your, your mattress, your anything with fabric. Okay, because the little buggers, see, that's why I love plastic chairs and things like that. It's because the little buggers, no little buggers can grab, they have grippers, so they need something to attach to. Okay? All right. 
Um, it's a misconception that crabs can be contact, uh, contracted through toilet seats. Um, they can attach to uh, smooth surfaces. Okay, so you might, the symptoms, you know, you might experience some itching in the genital area. You might actually see them, oh boy, that would, you know, that's, uh, that would be really hard to see if you were seeing the little things crawling around in there. But, um, but you might, yeah, 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 you know, um, you might see visible nits because they actually are, you know, drying the blood, okay. Um, okay, HIV and AIDS. Uh, HIV stands for a human immunodeficiency virus, um, and that's the virus that call, causes AIDS. Um, okay, uh, it might take years for someone to acquire AIDS after being infected. Um, how is it transmitted? Having sex oral, anal, vaginal with someone who already has the virus, sharing needles, being exposed before or during birth or through breastfeeding. Um, how do you not get HIV? Shaking hands, hugging, kissing, touching a doorknob, sharing a toilet seat, drinking out of someone's glass, uh, through mosquito bites, okay? Those are ways you cannot get the virus, okay? Hep B is really unknown. A lot of people don't know about Hep B. And so it's a virus that affects the liver. Uh, there's no cure for it, but vaccines are available. Um, it's spread through infected blood, semen, vaginal fluids, um, or through the sharing of needles. Um, if left untreated, it uh, becomes very dangerous. Um, liver cancer, liver failure, and death. So what are some symptoms? Symptoms usually don't show up until one to nine months after being infected. Um, loss of appetite, fatigue, nausea, vomiting, fever, um, dark urine. A big sign that something's um, not right with your liver is the jaundice, the yellowing of the eyes, the yellowing of the skin. Um, are big signs that you're experiencing some kind of liver um, damage, okay? Uh, trichomonas, again, for us ladies, right? Um, trichomonas is another bacterial infection that mirrors your yeast infection, okay? Um, and so typically you get it through sexual contact, but, um, you know, if someone has uh, trichomonas, sharing bathing suits or underwears or, and things like that, you could actually get get the infection. Um, Yellow-green discharge, itching around the vagina, foul smelling. Vagina should not smell bad. It's a weird statement, but they shouldn't. If someone is taking care of their hygiene, there should not be any smell within the vagina. If someone has an infection, the vagina will smell fishy or foul or whatever, but typically everyone's vagina self-cleans. There should be no foul smell, so if there is, you might have to assume that someone has some sort of infection that they need to be treated, okay? Easily treated with, whoop, where is it? Oh, okay. Did I grab it? No, I don't know. Okay, easily treated with, there's internal uh, medication and there's oral medication. Easily treated, okay? Um, then you have vaginitis, vaginitis, another bacterial infection. Um, same typical, typical symptoms burning, discomfort, um, maybe during sex, vaginal itching, uh, discharge. But some people might not have symptoms, so you might not, not, you might not know that you have it. Okay, here's another, oh boy, where's my guy? Uh-oh, he probably took off. Oh, there you are, thanks. <laughs> I forgot what this one is. Oh, okay.
So we're kind of going to go the route to talk about um, how important condoms are um, in preventing some of these STIs. So I brought a little clip um, for you. Yeah, what time is it? Oh my gosh, it's 1.34? Wow, I talk a lot, don't I? Wow. Okay, I have you all teleported to talk. Hi, my name is Sanford Johnson. I'm here at Sex Ed Training right now. Uh, we've been training folks on draw the line, respect the line, as well as reducing the risk. One of the major issues that we're having is that we're teaching uh, teens, we're, we're going to teach teens how to use condoms correctly and consistently. However, we cannot do condom demonstrations. So I decided to do something else. I want to teach kids how to put on a sock. If you're going to be engaged in a sock activity, whether you're wearing an athletic shoe or whether you're using a dress shoe, doesn't matter to me as long as your foot is protected. I want to make sure that you have on a sock. So if I'm putting on a sock, what I do is I start with a sock and I want to pinch out the, the, the air out of the tip of the sock because I want to make sure that there's room for my toes when I'm engaging in a shoe activity. Then I take the sock and I put it on top of my foot and all I do is just roll it down. Just roll it down. Now some people stop right here and just only, only put that sock on halfway. That's not how you do it. You want to take your sock and you want to roll it all the way down your foot. You want to roll it all the way down your foot and then you can put it inside your shoe. And then you're ready to engage in a shoe activity. Now when I'm done with the shoe activity, remember, whether it's athletic shoe, dress shoe, I don't care. That does not, not matter to me. But when I'm done, what I do is I take the top of the sock and I make sure that I hold it very tight and then I pull it outside of the shoe and then I can just pull the sock on off. I pull the sock off, I tie it up because I don't want sweat to fall out or anything like that. And then I toss it away, put it in the hammer. So if you're going to engage in a shoe-related activity, make sure that your foot is protected. Make sure that you use a sock each and every time. <laughs> okay. All right. So, um, you know, a lot of um, uh, different schools and such won't um, allow people to, a lot uh, educators to demonstrate how to correctly, correctively uh, correctly put on a condom and so I thought he was really 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 creative in figuring out a way to really be um, an educator to teach young people how to use a condom so I thought that was kind of cool um, okay and so there's my guys aren't they cute um, one big thing about condoms okay you got the color condoms you got the yellow you got the pink you got the green you got the blah 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 okay um, many times those are flavored condoms used purposely for oral sex and so um, if you're using a color condom that's I don't know banana or cherry or whatever whatever color um, many times that will irritate a woman's vagina so you only want to really use latex male condoms for um, vaginal penile sex okay just a heads up um, the other ones are just used um, for oral sex as well as the use of dental dams which protects um, your exposure from a female's um, uh, vagina opening okay all right so no flu it's all about not mixing the fluids right and protecting ourselves um, okay the last uh, video I'm gonna show is one that uh, and it should be quick I think it's like three minutes I promise I'll get you all out of here in time um, 
is, you know, I keep mentioning that how many people have infections and how I think we really, really need to view having a, self, a sexual health issue or infection is just like having another infection, right? So how we talk about people who um, have STIs, how um, we transmit the information and have an communication and discussion with our partners or future partners about our sexual health status is really important and needs to happen. So I, I found this um, really quick uh, video to leave you with on if, if you have an infection, how are you talking to you, how can you talk to your partner about that or if you um, ever acquire one. Okay, so we're gonna watch this one. Welcome to my bedroom. It's GYT month, otherwise known as Get Your Bad Self Tested for Sexually Transmitted Infections month. That was a mouthful. The first time I got tested, I was really nervous. I put it off longer than I really should have. But I finally went, that's what counts. And it wasn't nearly as bad as I thought it was gonna be. If you've never been tested for STIs, this is basically how it goes down. For chlamydia, gonorrhea, and other bacterial infections, you'll pee in a cup. For HIV, they'll do a swab of your cheek or maybe a prick of your finger, which is really painless. For genital warts and herpes, it's a little bit trickier. The doctor will take a look and see if they see anything, but because visual signs don't necessarily need to exist in order for you to have the virus, if you think you've been exposed, they'll do a blood test as well. Because y'all are sex posy and you practice safer sex every time, right? You may very well hear back and everything will be negative, but sometimes a test will come back positive, which can be, of course, a really scary thing, but it's really important to remember that an STI is just like any other infection. You are still the same person, you're still gonna have happy, healthy relationships, you're still gonna have great sex, and you are not tainted or damaged goods or any of the other bullshit that society tells you. It's false, it's a lie. STIs are part of life that many people deal with, which means that you're not alone, and if you feel like you are, that's because people are afraid to talk about it. I think the number one thing that needs to happen right away is to learn everything you can absorb all the information. What is this SCI about? How is it treated? Is it curable? What does this mean for your day-to-day -day life? What does this mean for your partners? Your doctor in part is gonna help you answer those questions and the internet can too, but I wanna focus on the last part. What does this mean for your partners and how are you gonna to talk to them about it? For chlamydia and gonorrhea, these are bacterial STIs, which means that they are usually curable with a round of antibiotics. For things like genital warts and herpes, however, there is no cure. So here are some tips how to tell a new partner or a current partner if you have an STI. Timing, timing is everything. Good time, when you're both relaxed, calm, feeling good, you have some privacy, there's not a bunch of distractions. Bad time, when you are naked together. Obviously shit happens and sometimes it comes up not in the most ideal situations. The more in control you are, the better. You're a badass, so you gotta know all your facts and you gotta be prepared to answer questions about this. Practice how you might wanna start and do not start by freaking them out. If you think it's the end of the world, they're gonna think it's the end of the world and everything's gonna be crazy. Stay positive and then highlight why you wanna talk about your sexual health status. For example, I'm really enjoying our relationship and so before we become more involved, I think we should talk about our sexual health status. I'm having so much fun together and I wanna make sure that we keep having fun together. So I think before we keep going, I should let you know that 
in my last relationship, I contracted an STI. Just like you had a lot of feelings when you first found out you had an STI, your partner might have a lot of feelings too. So you wanna give them space to process their feelings. You may actually find out that they have an STI too. If they are a jerk about it, they're obviously not mature and they don't deserve you. In a healthy, mature relationship, a discussion's gonna follow. And you will likely be doing a lot of myth busting because there are a lot of myths. And then work through it. Stay positive, stay strong. You got this. This is a new process that's gonna be part of your sex life. And honestly, this is a process that should be a part of everyone's sex life. You're a revolutionary. Open communication with a partner, trust, loyalty. These are the types of things that great sex is built upon. That will not change with an STI. All right, babes, if you have any questions, feel free to post them below. We'll keep an eye out and try to help you out. I will be back with more videos soon. I'll see you then. Isn't she like a ray of sunshine? Like she's so like perky and happy, um, but her information is fantastic. Um, so I wanted to leave you with that. Um, if you um, need resources for getting tested, pregnancy prevention, um, your Planned Parenthood, there's a fantastic one there in Orland, um, all your clinics, um, call 708 Pillars. We have a health clinic as well. Or come up here, talk to me, talk to your counselors. Um, they can get a hold of resources for you or get a hold of me. So thank you so very much. Thanks. Thank you so much, Patty. Um, I think it's safe to.